Hello and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Raul and I will be your online host today. If this is your first time visiting us, then welcome. You are our VIP and we would love to hear from you. Simply text NEW to 604-285-5770 so we can send you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle just for visiting us today. Parents, don't forget, Thrive Kids has prepared today's lesson plan and activity guide and it's ready for download by visiting mythrive.info slash online. Now, do I have an active and engaged audience? Perfect. Let me know by using the chat box and type in your favorite room in the house. That's right. Your favorite room in the house. This should be a little interesting. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you for your feedback. Now, we would love to see how you're watching Thrive Church Online by taking a selfie. You can take a selfie with who you're watching it with, your pet, or your favorite toy. Either way, we can't wait to see these pictures and simply use the hashtag ThriveChurchOnline and place it on your favorite social media platform. Now, are you ready for today's message? Perfect, I am as well. So, Pastor JB, take it away. Welcome everybody to Thrive Church Online. It is so great to have you with us. If you are here for the first time and you're joining us here as a first time guest, you are what we call our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we especially want to welcome you. In fact, we have a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you just welcome one another in the chat rooms that you're in right now? Would you welcome another if you're sitting beside someone, you're watching the service with them, would you give them a high five, a handshake, even a warm hug if that's appropriate, and just say it is so good to be here with you today. Let's welcome one another to the house of God today. Let's do that together right now. So good to have you all here. And let me tell you this, if this is your first time here, you truly are our VIP. We've got a special gift that we want to give just for you. It's your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle. And you can get that by going to mythrive.info. And all you have to do is click on a button that says, I'm new to Thrive. And we'd love to connect with you that way. Another way to do it is you text the word new to the number 604-285-5770. And we'd love to get in touch with you. A huge, massive welcome to all of our first time guests and to every single person who's watching the service today. So glad you're joining us today. You know, here at Thrive, you might be wondering, why do we do this every single Sunday? Well, I told you guys last week that here at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. And just to make sure you guys have been listening this past couple weeks, just to make sure you remember the vision of Thrive Church, would you use your chat room and help me fill in the blanks right now? What does A-E-I-O-U stand for? A stands for, right in the chat room, a stands for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for 
right in the chat room, it says expectant. Expectant means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for, write it in there, it's involved. It means we're here to serve God with our talents. We want to make a difference with our lives. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus because we believe God's love is way too big for us to keep to ourselves. We want to share it. U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual family called our church. And our dream is to build a church of 10,000 AEIU leaders here in the city of Vancouver. It is so good to have you here. Let's give God a big hand, a big shout today. Let's give God some praise and some worship today. Come on. You guys are beautiful church inside and out. And because we want to be a church that's making a difference in our city and in our world, I want to let you know about one very special opportunity that you can sign up for if you want to serve God with your talents. If you've got some time and you want to make a difference in another person's life, I want to let you know this this coming month, in the month of June, we are partnering with an awesome organization called Connections Community Services. In fact, they're just actually in the same plaza where our church building is located and we we want to partner with them to help seniors in our community who might not have people to talk with, might not have friends and relatives to visit them personally. We want to be there for them in this time. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got some time, if you've got 20 minutes to an hour that you can spend maybe once a week to spend time with a senior, an elderly person, just to keep them company, just to make friends, just to share God's love in just very practical ways, can I encourage you to go to mythrive.info and to sign up for this awesome opportunity. We're looking for 26 volunteers who are willing to give of their time to make a difference in the lives of elderly people in our city. And so hope you sign up for that. Would you turn to your people in your chat room and say, let's make a difference. Tell them right now, let's make a difference. You can go to mythought.info and sign up for that right now. Do you guys bring your Bibles today? Do you guys have your Bibles? This is my Bible right here. Mine's a paper Bible. Maybe yours is a paper Bible. Maybe yours is a, a phone or a device or a computer that you've got the Bible in. Well, whatever the case may be, I'm going to invite you to just take your Bible right now and why don't you hold up in the air if you can. And if you could do this with me, this is a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message today. Would you say this with me together in a big, loud voice? We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Well, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It is called Exodus Hope for Hard Times. In this series, we are looking at one of the most powerful, one of the most important stories ever told. It's the story of the Exodus, how God rescued the Israelites in ancient Egypt from slavery and did amazing things in their lives. And we're learning not just that there are some really great lessons for people back then for us to learn from the book of Exodus, but there are amazing lessons for us to learn that are applicable to us today that bring hope for hard times to us. And so I hope you've enjoyed the series so far. A big thank you to all of our speakers who've been a part of the series. And just to let you know, we're not just studying the book of Exodus together every Sunday. We're actually studying the book of Exodus together every day. And if you want to get in on that, I want to encourage you to go to mythrive.info and sign up for Pastor JB's Game Time Sharings. And there, what you're going to find is that we will send to you every day a passage from the book of Exodus with some thoughts, some lessons that I've been learning from that book. And hopefully it encourages you and gives you hope to start the day. If you want to get in on that, sign up at mythrive.info to be part of that. Are you guys ready for the Word of God today? 
Here we go. Let me tell you what the message title is today. And you know, normally when uh, you know I'm, I'm preaching, uh, I will sometimes get you guys to tell your neighbors the message title for the message. Well, I'm not going to do that today because the message title of today's message is called I'm Moving In. All right, and so I'm not going to ask you to, de- get, to turn your neighbor and say, I'm moving in. That'd be a little weird, a little scary, uh, a little maybe exciting for some of you. I don't know. But the fact is that today's message title is, I'm moving in, understanding the tabernacle, the ark, and the presence of God. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. Today, we're talking about the presence of God. See, what has happened in the book of Exodus so far? If you've been following along in this series, you know that a ton has happened so far in the book of Exodus. And for the sake of brevity, let me just put it to you this way. God has done some amazing things in the lives of the Israelite people. He has given them freedom from slavery. He's given them gold in their pocket. He's given them water to drink. He's given them manna to eat. He's given them laws to live by. He's given them and is giving them a land of their own called the promised land. They are now heading toward it. But what God does is he doesn't stop there. God starts to do one more thing in the book of Exodus chapter 25 is where we're going to be today. And what does he do in Exodus 25? And you might be turning to that right now. Let me tell you what he's going to do is God in Exodus 25 gives the Israelites instructions for building a tabernacle. Now, what is a tabernacle? Why don't you write this down? Take some good notes in this place. Do you have a proactive church in this place today? I really hope I do. If you want to make the most of your time today, why don't you take some good notes? The tabernacle was a portable tent that would serve as the center of the Israelites' worship activities. It was the religious center of the Israelite community. It represented the house of God among the Israelites. And so when the Israelites would set up this tabernacle and they'd see this tabernacle in their neighborhood, they will be reminded that God is with us. It was the house of God. And see, there's a lesson we can learn from this is that even after providing for the Israelites for their freedom, their finances, their food, water, land, a legal system, God still thought it was necessary to give them one more thing, which is a tabernacle representing his presence in their lives. And what's the lesson here? It's that you can have food to eat. You can have water to drink. You can have clothes on your back. You can have a house to live in. You can have freedom from oppression. You can have a legal system to live by. But the fact is, is you can even have a family that cares for you. But if you do not have the presence of God in your life, there is something significant that will still feel missing from your life. If you believe that, say amen. See, that's because you're not just a physical being with physical needs. You're not just a social being with social needs. You're not just an intellectual being with intellectual needs. You are a spiritual being with spiritual needs. You know, one of the most famous people in the world today, his name is Tom Brady. And, you know, in the course of a 20-year career as an NFL quarterback, Tom Brady is arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history. He has won a record six Super Bowls. And back in 2005, when Tom Brady was 27 years old, he had already won three Super Bowl championships, already known as one of the greatest players in NFL history. And he did an interview with CBS Sports where he openly made a confession. He confessed that even after all the money, the fame, the career success he experienced, that there was still this lingering feeling that there must be more to life than this. Why don't you check out this interview with me right now? This, this is Tom Brady. Can you go out to restaurants? If I have the energy to deal with, you know, putting a happy face on, sometimes I don't feel like that. 
Now, you seem a bit the reluctant star. Well, the problem is it's, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the football fame and not the other stuff. So in a lot of ways, I've created this myself. <laughs> Just what you always wanted. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. The most eligible bachelor in America. Well, it's very flattering. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I sleep any better at night being that. No way. Do you mean like alone or not alone? <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. Wow. You know, I'm a Tom Brady fan. I wasn't at first, but over time, as I saw him persevere through so many different challenges, I saw his work ethic, his mental toughness, his drive to succeed. For me, I am now a Tom Brady fan. And the reason I bring up this interview is because here is Tom Brady back in 2005. He's 27 years old. He's got all the success. And in his mind, he's thinking, after all that I've accomplished and everything that I've got, all the fame, all the power, there's still got to be more than this. That was back in 2005, about 10 years later, the New York Times are, is interviewing Tom Brady, and they go back to this interview, and they say, what do you think of that time? And he says, you know, I still don't know the answer. It's as if there's still this lingering feeling in him that something is missing. And you know, Tom, he's now married to a Victoria's Secret model uh, called uh, Giselle Bunchen. They've got a beautiful family, and yet, even for him, he's still like, you know what? I still haven't figured it out. And here's the thing. The Bible gives an answer for this question. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. If you're going through a tough time today, if there's uncertainty in your life today, know this, God is going to make everything beautiful in this time. Amen? And so you just have got to hang on to him. But here's the key. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Would you underline this verse? He has planted eternity in the human heart. In other words, there is an eternal God-sized hole in your heart and in my heart that only God can fill. And you can have all the temporary things that you think will make us happy. You know, you know, fame, you know, pleasure, money, you know, all the stuff that you know you think is gonna make you happy. But the fact is, until God's presence fills the God-sized hole in our hearts. There will always be something missing. And see, when we don't have God's presence in our lives, it's like we're living, but we're not really living. It's like we're living, but we don't know what we're living for. It's like we can't really enjoy what we have because we're missing the most important part of it. It's like a lack of God's presence leads to all sorts of problems. It leads to depression. It leads to directionlessness. It leads to anxiety. It leads to worry. It leads to addiction. It leads to hopelessness. It leads to bitterness about life, bitterness about past hurts. It leads to, you know, rage sometimes.
times. And you know, if you're stressed today, can I tell you this? What you need is the presence of God. If you're lost today, what you need is the presence of God. If you don't know what is going to happen with your life and you're worried, what you need is the presence of God. Could it be that the ultimate reason why you're so frustrated with life today is not really because of your circumstances? It's not really because you know that news hasn't come yet, or that money isn't coming in, or not getting enough of this or that, or enough of this person, or you're not you know, you're not married yet, or you don't have kids yet. Could it be that really what is deep down the reason why you feel like something is missing is because what we need at the end of the day is not those things more than we need the presence of God. You and I, we were born with a God-sized hole in our heart that only God can fill. And see, the thing about God in Exodus 25 is that he doesn't wait for the Israelites to figure that out. He doesn't wait for the Israelites to go, oh, we need God. In other words, he, does, he actually takes the initiative. He's a proactive God. And God decides, because I know what you need, I'm moving in. I'm moving into your neighborhood. And that's what Exodus 25 is about. See, the message of the Bible is that when we couldn't get to God, God came to us. And it starts here in Exodus 25, where we see God getting ready to move into the neighborhood of the Israelites so that they could have his presence in their lives. And since God's presence is not just what they needed, it's also what we need. As we study Exodus 25 today, we're going to learn something about how you and I experience more of the presence of God in our lives. And so if you could use more of God's presence today, this message is for you. Maybe you're here and you've got questions about God. You're like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm just exploring. You know, my friend just asked me to check this out. And you're not even sure if there is a God. If that's you, we're so glad that you're here. We hope that Thrive is a safe place where you can explore your questions. And if that's you, you're wondering, you know, I'm not even sure if there's a God. How do you know there is one? I'd encourage you after the service to go check out a series we've done. You can go to mythrive.info and check out a series called Overcome My unbelief, where we look at some of the biggest questions that people ask about the Christian faith, including how do I know there is a God? We hope that's helpful for you. But let's look at Exodus 25 together today. Would you read with me in a big loud voice, verses 1 and 2? We're going to start there. Read it with me right now. It says, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. Would you help me right now and underline two phrases? two words. I really believe it's important not just to have the Bible on the screen for you to read, but if you have it in your hands and you're able to underline and make notes, then it'll, it'll add that much more value to you. Would you underline two important phrases in verse two? The first is, bring me an offering. Bring me an offering. The second phrase I want you to underline is, the offering for me. See, what's happening? God is not shy about asking his people to give what they have for his purposes. That's why he says, bring me an offering. And see, what, what's the lesson there? There's a lesson that when we give our offerings at church, when we give our tithes at church, the first 10%, when we give that to God, know that you're not just giving to an organization. You're not just giving to people. You're giving first and foremost to God. Amen. It's that your offerings, your tithes are a spiritual act of worship unto God. It's that when you give, you are actually doing it so in obedience to God's command and in honor of God's name. If you believe that, say amen. 
Look at verse 3 with me together. It says, These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. See, what's going on is that God is asking the Israelites for an offering. He says, bring an offering for me, but look at what he's going to use the things that they offer for. It's for meeting very practical needs. Is that through these offerings, the Israelites are going to provide material for building this tabernacle, which we're going to talk about today. They're going to, through their offerings, provide equipment that they're going to need for their worship activities, olive oil for the light, precious jewels for the clothes that the priest would wear when he approaches God, you know, equipment that they would use, you know, all these things. Through their offerings, what were the Israelites doing? They were equipping their church for their mission. And see, can I right now just take a moment to just say from the bottom of my heart, a huge thank you to each and every one of you who has given faithfully your tithes and your offerings here at Thrive Church during this COVID-19 season. The fact is this, you guys in this season have been incredible givers. Even in a time when businesses all across our city, all across the country are being challenged financially, when our economy is especially challenged, and in a time when many people are needing financial help. You guys have been giving faithfully here at Thrive, and I believe that that deserves a huge clap to you and to God. Let's give God a big hand, a big shout in this place, because the fact is this. I just want to say thank you, because when you give the way you do, you're not just fulfilling a spiritual purpose of worshiping God. That's important. That's the first and foremost thing. But you're also meeting practical needs. When you give the way you've been giving, you are equipping your church to reach our city and our world with the hope of Jesus Christ. When you give the way you give, you are equipping your church for its mission in this world. And when you give, you're taking good care of the staff here at our church who have dedicated their working lives, their careers, to serving and leading the church so that they can provide well for for their families as well. And so, you know, when Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart would be also on behalf of all of us at Thrive Church. Can I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart for showing your heart for God's church, for the way that you've given that way. When you've given that way, you're showing that you're alive and worshiping Jesus. When you give the way you do, you're showing you're expectant, you're growing into a Christ-like disciple. When you give the way you do, you're being involved and you're serving God with your talents. When you give the way you do, you're being out loud, you're leading others to Jesus. And when you give the way you do, you're loving your spiritual family called your church. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place right now. So incredibly proud of our church during this time, the ways you've given sacrificially, selflessly to take good care of our church and equip Thrive Church for its mission. Let's keep on giving. Let's keep on giving our best. Let's keep seeking God's kingdom first, knowing that he adds what? He adds everything we need. Amen. See, what is the first lesson we can learn from the seven verses that we looked at in Exodus 25? Is that your giving is both spiritual and practical. When you give, you are both worshiping God spiritually and equipping your church practically. And so that's, the, that's another important lesson we can learn today. Look at verse eight with me one more time. It says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. See, the, one of the big messages of the Bible, arguably the biggest message of the Bible, 
is that when we couldn't reach God on our own, God came to be with us and to dwell among us. First, he did so through this tabernacle that the Israelites are going to build in Exodus 25. But later on, that tabernacle would show that it's simply a picture pointing ahead to Jesus who would dwell among us like a tabernacle temporarily on this earth to show what God is like. That's why John 1.14 talks about Jesus when it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us same wording, dwell among us, is that God has his heart to want to be with us, to give us his presence, because he loves you. He loves me. He loves this world, and so he wanted to be with us. That's why he sent Jesus, and after Jesus died on the cross for our sins, after he rose again from the grave, after he ascended to heaven, God would do one more thing. He'd send his Holy Spirit to dwell in every single person who's placed their trust in Jesus Christ, and that's why the whole goal of the Bible is that you and I would have the presence of God. That the whole goal of the Bible is that we'd have it not just for 70, 80, 90 years on earth, but forever in heaven as well. And it's because God loves you and he wants to be with you that it all begins here in Exodus 25, verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Would you underline this one simple but important word? Would you underline the word make? Everyone say make. See, it's a word that comes up nine times in this passage, and it's an important word. See, up to this point in Exodus, get this. Have the Israelites already experienced the presence of God? Yes, they have. Many times. They've they've experienced God in the form of a pillar of cloud, in the form of a pillar of fire leading them through the wilderness. They've experienced God doing incredible miracles, signs, wonders, plagues, giving them incredible protection, deliverance, provision. They've even heard his voice coming out of a mountain. That's how much they've experienced God's presence. And I want you to know this today. In each and every one of those cases where God shows up and he shows up with his presence, notice this, God didn't need anyone's help to do that. He would just do it himself. He would do it unilaterally. He didn't ask for anyone's help to show up. And so why is God now telling the Israelites to make something for him so that he can dwell with them? What, is, is God tired? He's like, oh, you know what? I've done a lot. It's your turn to do something. Is that, is that what's going on? See, here's one more lesson we can learn, is that God wants to involve people in the making and the building of his house. And let me be more specific, since we're talking about the presence of God today, is that if you want to experience more of God's presence in your life, don't be passive, but proactive about drawing near to God. Amen? Amen? Let me tell it this this way, is that there will be times in our lives when God, at different points, you'll find this in your life, I found this in my life, is that God, without us asking, will give us clues of his existence in our lives will give us clues of his goodness and his love toward us. And it's not because we asked for it. He just did it because he loves us and he pursues us. And that's why he gives us those clues, almost like these hints to say, I'm here and I love you. And see, each and every one of us, I believe we can point to those kind of clues. We didn't ask for it. They were just there because God loves you and he's pursuing you. But let me tell you this. There will come a time in your life when it's no longer good enough just to wait for God to unilaterally give you clues of his existence and his love. There will come a time if you want to grow, if you want to mature, if you want to experience God's abiding presence and peace in your life, where you need to start doing something, where you need to start being proactive and taking the initiative and saying, I'm not going to take it for granted, God's presence. I want to seek God's presence. I want to draw near to God. I want to be proactive and take the initiative and turn to him. And that's what happened with me. You know, for, you know, I, I 
I could point to all sorts of ways that God has been good to me, even when, even before I was born, even when I was in the womb, ways that God protected me, ways that God delivered me, ways that God provided for me. And I could point to all those things, not things that I asked for, but these are just things that God did. But there came a point in high school where I realized that's not enough just to wait for God to do these things. I need to respond to him. And maybe you're in that place today, is that you've experienced some good things, some cool things that God has done, but now, instead of just waiting for God to do the next thing, God's saying, it's your turn. You do something. And that's what's going on in Exodus 25, is that God says to the Israelites, make a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among you. Here's a question today. How proactive are you about making time for the presence of God? Are you just kind of waiting off? Oh, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to think about it, not going to care about it. Or are you someone who's saying, you know what, let me actively seek the presence of God in my life. See, one of the big lessons we learned from Exodus 25 is that it's about making time and making space for the presence of God. That's why we meet together here at Thrive Church Online every Sunday. That's why we have prayer meetings on Tuesday via Zoom. That's why we have game time every day. We're not going to let COVID-19 stop us from meeting with God and being proactive. Amen. You know, that's why we've got small groups that continue to go on. That's why we have, you know, something called TDS, Thrive Disciple School, where we help you to grow in your relationship with God and experience more of God's presence. It's because we don't believe we need to be passive before God. We want to be proactive about drawing near to God. Turn your neighbor and say, be proactive about God's presence. Be proactive about God's presence. Here's a question for you. What is one proactive step that you've taken this past year to experience more of God's presence, and how has that worked out for you? You know, hopefully for some of you, it's saying, you know, I started joining us for church. I started going to Thrive Church Online, or I started going to a small group, or I took TDS, or I started having my own game time with God. Games time, by, by the way, stands for the God and me experiences. Time with God where you're taking time to be with him and experience his love in your life. What is one proactive step that you've taken this past year to experience more of him? And here's another thing. What is one proactive step you can be taking today, this week, to experience more of God's presence? You're going to find this is that with a lot of things, whether it's learning a language, or it's learning a new skill, is that when you do it yourself, when you make time yourself, and you try to learn it yourself, you're gonna find this, is that you will own it more, and you grow up faster, and you treasure it more. Not just that, if you're doing something yourself for someone else, guess what? It has special meaning for the person you're doing it for, amen? If, for example, if, if I cooked a meal for Charlene, my wife, or I ordered Uber Eats for Charlene, my wife, let me tell you, which one would taste better? I guarantee you Uber Eats would taste a lot better, all right? But, but which one would mean more to Charlene? I guarantee you it's that really not-so-tasty homemade meal that I made for her, amen? Amen. It's because when you do it yourself, when you make it yourself, when you take that initiative, it means something to the person you're giving to. In the same way, when you take the initiative to draw near to God, it actually touches God's heart because it shows God, hey, this relationship is not just one way, but just as I care about you, maybe you care about me. And that's how you experience more of God's presence. And then he's more willing and open to reveal even more of himself to you. If you believe that, say amen. And see, what, what exactly did God tell the Israelites to make for him? Let's look at it right now. It's the tabernacle. Look at verse 9. It says, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. See, in Exodus 25 to 27, God is going to go into a lot of detail, great detail, about what this tabernacle is going to look like and, and what furniture is going to be in there, what equipment is going to be in there. It just goes to show that God is a detail-oriented God. Amen? A lot of people say, the devil's in the details. And so read that contract. You know? and, and, and I get what they're saying, but what I find is when I read Exodus 25 to 27, I find that God 
is into details. God is a master craftsman. He's detailed in his work. That's why you, even your body, in ways that you don't even see with your human eye, are so, it's so detailed, intricate, finely tuned, because God is a master craftsman. And that's why he's detail-oriented. And in the same way, I want to encourage you, in your work, be detail-oriented. Amen? Don't just kind of, oh, whatever, I'll just kind of mail it in, but be detail-oriented. Give God your best, because that's what God does for us. You know, another thing is this, when you read Exodus 25 to 27, you're going to find that when God describes the design of this tabernacle, notice this, he doesn't begin with the exterior. He doesn't begin with, okay, this is what the tent's going to look like. This is what the courtyard's going to look like. This is how, what everyone's going to see. He doesn't start there. Guess where he starts? Look at Exodus 25. He starts by talking about the furniture and the equipment that's going to be inside this tabernacle that most people will not see. Instead of talking about the stuff that everyone sees, he's going to talk about the stuff that almost no one is going to see. Why? Why does God start from the inside and not the outside? Well, there's a lesson here as well is that God, God's work very often starts from the inside out. Is that we can be so concerned about how we look in front of people, about appearances, but God focuses on what's on the inside and he builds out from there, amen. You, know, you, you might be so focused right now on looking a certain way in front of people or getting certain results that other people can go, wow, and, and just kind of be so impressed. But see, God is more interested in doing work inside of you before the stuff outside of you happens. See, and, and if, if that's you today, I'm going to encourage you, don't underestimate and don't undervalue and don't take for granted the work that God is doing in you when you're focusing so much on what's going on outside of you because the inside is where God starts and he builds out from there. Amen? Since we're going to look at the tabernacle and its furnishings, not just today, but every day this coming week, let me show you the big picture and what the tabernacle looks like in its entirety. We're going to show you some pictures. And here's a picture of the tabernacle in its entirety. And if you notice, you might be how big is this thing? Well, it's standing at about 75 feet wide. It's about 150 feet long. Scholars say that the tabernacle was this portable temple used by the Israelites for worship purposes. And it's about the size of, if you're a swimmer, it's about the size of an Olympic pool. Or if you're a football fan, it's about the size of, of one-sixth of an American football field. And so it's not big. You're like, well, so many people, so many Israelites, they're going to do something that small. Keep in mind, it had to be portable because they're wandering through the wilderness. And so it had to be small. It had to be easy to set up and easy to tear down. It couldn't be too big. It had to be mobile. And see, from the outside, if you watch and you look at this tabernacle, you're going to find there's a courtyard, and it doesn't look like much. If we had to be really frank, it's like, you know, it looks like a campground that, you know, you see, you know, school children playing. It looks pretty bare. It's just, it's just really simple looking, and I believe there's a purpose behind that. We won't get into that today, but in the fact is that in the middle of this courtyard, you're going to see a couple things. You're going to see this bronze altar for offering sacrifices. You're going to see this bronze basin called a laver for washing. That's their form of hand sanitizer, right? That's, the, that, that's their laver. That's their basin for washing their hands. But if you were a priest, you could go into the actual tabernacle tent itself and know, you know what would happen if you walk in there? When you walk in there, you'll find two rooms. One in front, one in the back. And the one in front is called the holy place. And see, the holy place was where you'd find this menorah, this golden lampstand made of solid gold and this table with some bread on it called the consecrated bread. And each of these has significance we're talking about in this coming week. And then after that, when you see what is separating the first room from the second room, there's a curtain. It's a thick curtain, about four to six inches, scholars say. 
And the thing is this, no one could go past that curtain into the room behind called the most holy place, except if you were the high priest. And if you're the high priest, you could only go behind that curtain once per year. There was, in the Jewish calendar, a, a day called the Day of Atonement, where once a year, the high priest would sacrifice these animals as a way to atone for the sins of the people, and then he'd go into that curtain, into through that curtain, into this, this second room called the Most Holy Place. And there in the Most Holy Place, what would he see? This is what he'd see. Let's show a picture right now. It's a picture of what's called the Ark. It's called the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of God. Let's read about the Ark of the Covenant right now. It says, have them make a chest, this is verse 10, have them make a chest of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, a cubit and a half high. If you're wondering what a cubit is or how long that is, that's roughly, scholars say, roughly about 17 inches. Uh, they used to do it by saying, okay, take it from the, the top of your middle finger to your elbow, and it's about you know, 17 inches, and overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around. See, what is this Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant is this wooden box covered in gold, which stands at approximately four feet long, two and a half feet wide, and two and a half feet high. And if you're wondering just how big this Ark of the Covenant is, can I show you right now? I had a friend of mine earlier this past week who was kind enough to help me build. This is not the Ark of the Covenant, but this is just a box showing the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. All right? So this is not the Ark of the Covenant, but this is just a box that is the equivalent size of the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to ask my friends to, to bring it out right now. Look at this. All right, not, not only are you going to see the size of this covenant, uh, Ark of the Covenant, but you're going to see the size of the muscles of my two friends' hands and screen. Look at this. Look at that right now. Look at this. See, this is not small. To me, this is not small. It's not this dinky little thing, but this is that heavy. It's kind of heavy, right? Yeah. yeah the, the fact is, this is, not, this is not a small thing. This is called the, this is the, this is the size of what we're talking about when we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Can we give my, my friends a big hand here today right now? Let's, th let's thank God for their muscles today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Serena. Thank you, Hans. Great job. Great job. Praise God, it pays to work out. It really does. That's right. Praise God. And, and here's the thing, is that this box called the Ark of the Covenant was the centerpiece of the tabernacle. And let's show that picture again of the ark. It's this beautiful golden box. It's made out of wood, but it's overlaid inside and out with gold. And it represented the presence of God among the Israelites. And here's a question for you today. Why make a box to symbolize God's presence? Of all things, why a box? See, isn't that kind of like putting God in a box? Don't we often talk about, don't do that, don't put God in a box. Why is God putting himself in a box, so to speak, by having a box symbolize his presence? Let me tell you why. Here's the thing. First of all, let me tell you this. This would not be the only time that God would box himself in. Because about 1,500 years later, God would box himself again when he would send Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to be wrapped, boxed in, if you will, in human flesh and blood so that we could know God's presence in a way we've never known it. But here's the thing. Let me tell you, why would God allow his presence to be represented by a box? Why don't you write this down? Just as a box is meant to be carried, God wants us to carry his presence wherever we go. Verse 12 says this, cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the chest to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. See, this ark, which represents the presence of God, 
God is saying it was always meant to be carried. That's why you've got gold rings at the feet of this box. That's why there's poles going through those rings so that you could carry it wherever they went. They would carry this ark that represented God's presence in their lives. And see, in the same way, I'm here to tell you today, just as a box is meant to be carried, you and I were meant to carry the presence of God. And see, what does it mean to carry the presence of God? To carry the presence of God doesn't mean, practically speaking, doesn't mean that you need to live a perfect life. You know, we want to aim for perfection, but we'll never get get there and not, not, not in this lifetime. And so carrying God's presence doesn't mean perfection in our lifetime on earth, but what does carrying God's presence mean? Carrying God's presence means to have an authentic relationship with God. It means to have this genuine desire to honor God with your life and to live with a love and concern for other people, not just for yourself. And you know, I can think of so many people here throughout church who I find carry God's presence so well. So many of them are in this room right now. So many of you guys are watching right now. If, if I were to point to one person of, of the many people in my life, in my home, in my family, in my church family who carry God's presence well, you know, I, I can't help but think about you know, my wife Charlene. You know, my wife Charlene and I, we've been married for 17 years. And we could probably write a book about all of each other's weaknesses. You know, of course, the book about my weaknesses would be a lot longer and a lot thicker than the book uh, on Charlene's weaknesses. But the point is, we're both far from perfect. And that said, you know, I can say this. There's no one quite in my life who radiates God's presence and who carries God's presence quite like the way my wife does. Her heart for God and her heart for people, to me, to even to this day, amazes me. You know, for example, last week, it was a Friday, and uh, we went out on a date, and it was sometime in the daytime, and it was nice and sunny, the weather was beautiful, and it also happened to be my parents' anniversary, and so I was going to have a date, just the two of us in the afternoon, and we're going to see them that night, and uh, it was Charlene's idea to go and get them some flowers, just to kind of celebrate their anniversary, and so we went to pick up these flowers, uh, and uh, Char was like, you know what, let's, 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 since we have these flowers, let's just go and take some pictures. And uh, and so we went we went we went along the like like Olympic Village area where there's some water there and 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 we, we took some pictures and we're we're on this bench and she's she, she and I were sitting on this bench and and I look like this rock star husband right because I've got she's got these 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 flowers there and and people are like oh and I I had nothing to do with this is her idea right and 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 they're 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 like oh, okay oh you're oh happy birthday happy anniversary the people are just kind of walking by and and I'm like oh man like you're making me look so good right now Pastor Shar and, and and this is the thing is that you know I, I remember we're, we're having this you know this date on the bench and we're taking selfies with uh, these flowers that we're going to give to my parents later on. Um, and, uh, and what happens is there's this lady who comes up to us and she wishes, I think, Charlene happy birthday, even though it wasn't her birthday. Uh, and, uh, and she starts talking with us and just starts to talk about flowers and talking about her life. And, and we actually learned over that conversation uh, that she'd actually lost her husband just 10 years before and how her husband used to give her roses. And, uh, you know, a minute later, you know, we had this good conversation, and then she left, and she walked by herself, uh, you know, down the street. And, and, you know, about a minute later, Char's just thinking and going, you know what? I, I really want to give her a rose. I really want to give her one of these. And, and, so, and so, you know what she decided is, and, and I didn't think my parents would mind, of course they don't mind, is that, is that she, she, she took the bouquet, and she grabbed one of the roses in the bouquet. And uh, it was not just a rose bouquet, but it had other flowers. And she just took one rose. There were other roses in there. She took one rose. And she starts to run after this girl, this run after this lady. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I'm, I'm running after her. I'm so, 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 so Charlene is running after this lady. I'm running after Charlene. And, 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 and Pastor Char, she's got this rose in her hand. And finally, and we, we, we run a long time. This, this date became a workout all of a sudden. And we're, we're, like, we're both running. We're, we're, we're maybe running for maybe a good three, four minutes. And, we're, and, and because this woman, 
happens really fast too. And, 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 so, and, so, and so she finally catches up to this woman and I finally catch up to both of them. And, and I, can, I can hear Charlene talking to this lady and just saying, just want to give you this rose. You remember your husband used to give you roses. Just want to give you this rose and just let, let it be a reminder that God loves you. And, you know, the lady was so touched. She said, you know, this absolutely makes my day. And you know, that, that, that's the kind of stuff that I get to witness often in my home uh, and in my marriage. It's, it's typical Pastor Shar. Shar was this way before anyone ever called her Pastor Shar. Shar was this way in college, you know, even in high school, where there's just, there's just an authentic relationship with God. Of course, she's, is she perfect? She's not perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. No one of this is. But she has this authentic relationship with God. She's got this genuine desire to honor God with her life and a love and a concern for people. Why do I share that? It's because we were all made to, to carry God's presence. Amen. You know, and, and, and that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that we are the aroma of Christ and that to some we are the smell of death, to others we are the fragrance of life and through us everywhere God spreads the knowledge of his love. Here's a question for you today. How intentional are you about carrying God's presence into your home, into your family? into your workplace, wherever you go. See, that's God's design for us, is that not only would we have God's presence, but that we'd carry God's presence wherever we go, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And see, sometimes I get caught up so much in what I'm doing and get caught up in my stress and my frustrations and my situations and my challenges that I actually forget about carrying God's presence. And, and this is the thing is that I find this is that, is that if you're like, how do I carry God's presence better? I find this is that when I'm proactive about just drawing near to God, when I'm proactive about just spending time in God's presence, for some reason, carrying God's presence just becomes a little bit more natural. Is that it becomes this, almost like this natural byproduct of my relationship with God. And see, if you're here and you're like, you know, I want to carry God's presence into my home because there's so much fighting in my home right now. Or I want to carry God's presence to my kids. I want them to know God. I want to carry my presence, God's presence to, to my spouse or to my coworkers. Can I kind of tell you this? Can I give you one suggestion? Make sure you're proactive about drawing near to God. Make sure that you're doing that because when there's an authentic relationship with God and a desire to honor him, you know, carrying God's presence no longer becomes work. It just becomes a natural part of your, of your life with God. If you believe that, say amen. Look at Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30 with me. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. This is Jesus talking. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That verse, these verses are sermon in and of itself, but let me just say this to you right now. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, instead of carrying the weight of your burden, God made you to carry the weight of his presence. And when you have God's presence in your life, when you spend time in God's presence, you'll find that your stress is relieved. Your burden is lifted. There's joy restored to your heart. There's peace restored to your mind. You get hope for hard times. And that's why if you're here and you're getting this message and you realize, you know what, I was made to carry God's presence, can I encourage you this coming week? Think of one way that you can carry God's presence to the people around you. One way that we're talking about right now is with this new ministry opportunity we have, that, that we have that we're offering to all of you today, which is to help help with, uh, we're partnering with Connections Community Services to share, you know, just friendship with people in our city, in particular the elderly who are maybe in care homes or living by themselves where they can't have much interaction with people. We want to be people who make friends with them, keep them company, who ask them how they're doing, who meet their needs in practical ways, and in so doing, hopefully indirectly, you know, hopefully they get the fact that this is God's presence in their lives. 
that you're carrying God's presence to people who need it. Turn your neighbor and say, you were made to carry God's presence. You were made to carry God's presence. Are you learning something in this place today? Praise God. Look at verse 16 with me right now. We're going to end with these verses. Then put in the ark the testimony, which I will give you. What's the testimony? The testimony is two stone tablets that God would give to Moses on which were written the Ten Commandments. And so he's already given the Ten Commandments. He's spoken them from the mountain to the Israelites, but he's going to write the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets, and they're going to be placed inside this golden box called the Ark of the Covenant. And so the tablets are going to be there. Later on, God would tell Moses to put some other things in there, but it starts with the law of God. And verse 17 says, make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub. If you're wondering what a cherub or cherubim is, that's an angel. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the testimony, which I will give you. That's the Ten Commandments. Verse 22, there above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. See, what's going on is that God now moves toward talking about what are we going to do to cover this ark? And he tells Moses to tell the Israelites to build and to make an atonement cover made of pure gold. And it's going to be the same dimensions as the ark. They're going to place it right on top of the ark. On top of that cover are these two angels, one end and the other end. And they're going to be made of the same part. It's going to be all one piece. The cover and the angels, they're all one piece of gold. And, and they're going to have wings you know, spread apart, going upward to heaven. They're going to face one another. And this cover of the ark would be known as as the atonement cover, or another word, the mercy seat. Everyone say the mercy seat. And see, this atonement cover, or the mercy seat, would be the place where God would meet with Moses and reveal his commands to Moses. Look at verse 22 again. What does it say? It says, there, above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. See, the fact that God is saying, there, at the mercy seat, I'm going to meet with you, Moses, and I'm going to reveal my commands to you. What's the lesson that, in that for us today? Is that God wants to meet us and reveal himself to us, not in a place of judgment, but in a place of mercy. See, here's the thing. When you read the Bible, you're going to find that God is just, he is holy, i.e. no sin. He is a fair judge. But even more, God is merciful. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible in the New Testament that says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And what does that mean? Is that God is just on one hand, he's holy on one hand, but the, on the other hand, he's merciful. And his heart, his preference is to show people mercy, not judgment. That's just his heart. And see, here's the thing, is that if you don't respond to his mercy, you're going to get his judgment. But the thing is, his preference is to show us mercy. That's why it's called not the judgment seat, it's called the mercy seat. And then that's, that's, that's the thing, is that God would rather meet us in a place of mercy than a place of judgment. And that's why when we were separate from God because of our sins, when we had no way of reaching God on our own, when no matter how many sacrifices we make, no matter how many offerings we give, no matter how many old people we walk across the street, no matter how many good things we try to do, no matter how good we think we are, there's no way we could ever reach God because God is perfect and we are not. And the fact is this, when we had no way of reaching God, God sent Jesus Christ in his mercy 
to live the life that none of us could live, a life that met all the requirements of God's law, a life that only God in the flesh could live. And not only did Jesus live for us, but he also died for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that the debt that we owed God for all the ways that we rebelled against him, for all the ways we did things our way, not his way, all of that judgment, all of that that we deserve, all that punishment, it was placed on Jesus and was taken away from us. Jesus lived for us, Jesus died for us, but then on the third day, Jesus rose again for us to show that we can trust every single word that Jesus says and that whoever placed their faith, not in who they are and what they do, but in who Jesus is and what he's done, they have eternal life. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place right now. That is the amazing love of God in our lives. And see, that's why when Jesus died, the, the, the Bible says that the curtain in the tabernacle, separating the holy place from the most holy place, that curtain was from top to bottom, torn in two. Four to six inches, you can't tear that very hard, very easily, but four to six inches of, of, of fabric was torn into from top to bottom to show that now because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, we have access to the presence of God. That because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our, for our sins, no other sacrifice is necessary. Jesus paid for it all. Oh, come on, give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. That's what he did for you and for me. Read Hebrews 9, 11, and 12 with me in the NLT version. It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. You're going to find that because God would rather meet with you in a place of mercy than a place of judgment, that's why he sent Jesus Christ for us so that we could receive God's mercy. Amen. You're going to find this is that judgment likes to stand far away and accuse and point from a distance, shouting. But mercy comes close and it comes with a whisper. It comes with an embrace. And that's what Jesus did. That's what God did when he sent Jesus Christ for us. Finally, why don't we use a tabernacle in an ark today? to represent God's presence. Why is it if you were to walk into the building of Thrive Church, and I'm very careful to use those words because we believe that the church is not just the building, even more, so much more, it's the people, amen? But here's the thing, why don't we use a tabernacle and an ark today to represent God's presence? Why don't you, if you see, why don't, why don't we see an ark at Thrive Church like the one that the Israelites used? It's because the tabernacle, the ark, the covenant, they were just pictures pointing to something far greater. And the fact is now, today, the presence of God is represented by two much greater things. The first is this, is the first reason why we don't use tabernacles and arcs today is because now we have the fullness of God's presence, which lives in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. The picture of the tabernacle was really a picture pointing to Jesus. Look at John 1.14 with me. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Like the tabernacle, Jesus didn't look like much when he was on this earth. You look at him, he looked like any normal guy, pretty ordinary, pretty simple, but you get near him and you find he is full of grace and truth. He is the embodiment of the 
presence of God. Amen. Colossians 1, 19, 20 says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him whose him it's Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on heaven or things, in he- things in on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The reason why we don't have tabernacles and arcs today is because we have Jesus Christ who is far, far greater. That's the first reason, but there's a second reason. It's because another second reason why we don't have arcs and covenants or arcs of the covenant or, 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 or table or tabernacles anymore is because God's presence lives in his church. God's presence lives in his church, not the building, but the people, not the building, but you and me. God's presence lives in us as church. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 with me. Read it with me in a big loud voice. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. In fact, that's where, you know, sometimes you'll get people saying, you know, sometimes jokingly, my body's a temple. You know, they're not necessarily even, you know, Christians that say it. They just say, oh, my body's done. But where does that come from? That comes from 1 Corinthians. It's this idea that when you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you receive forgiveness that Jesus, you know, won on the cross for us. Is that all of a sudden, not only do you have forgiveness, but you have his Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You, your life becomes a temple in which God lives. And you, together with all the people who've made that same decision, together, we, the church, become and are God's temple. Amen. In fact, you might even, speaking of the ark, you might even say that you and I were like mini arcs. Is that like a box made of wood, we are breakable, we are fragile, but just like the ark is covered by a solid gold mercy seat, so you and I, we are covered in something far more precious than gold. It's the blood of Jesus. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we have mercy. And just like the two tablets representing God's law, the Ten Commandments, are contained inside the ark, so God has written his laws on our hearts, and he's put his spirit into our hearts as well, so that now we are the representation of God's presence in this world. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. That's you, that's me, that's the church. It's because God's presence lives in you and me. Amen. Amen. Turn neighbor and say, God's presence lives in us. God's presence lives in us, the church. What can we learn from all this? What are some timeless truths we can learn from Exodus 25? Well, number one, we know that God's presence is holy. Is that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. That's why there's an altar. That's why blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins. And praise God, God shed his blood. Jesus shed his blood so that we could enter his holy presence. Number two, God is merciful. Mercy was the, the, the name of the game when Jesus came so that we would not experience his judgment but his mercy. Number three, God wants to be with us and meet with us. And so since God wants to be with us and meet with us, because he wants to give us his presence because he loves us, number four, make space and time to meet with God. Don't be passive about it. Be proactive about it. Because when you're passive, you're not going to experience much more of him. When you're proactive, when you make time, you make space, you make room for God, then you can say, when it comes to your relationship with God, the best is yet to come. So with that in mind, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to draw near to God's presence, to make space and make time right now. Let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's not wait till tonight, but let's make space and time right now to draw near to God's presence. And see, here's the thing. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you need God's forgiveness in some way. Maybe it was something you said. Maybe it was something you did. 
maybe it was a decision that you made that you know hurt others or just a wrong decision that you know you know is something you shouldn't have done and you know that it kind of affects your relationship with God right now I'm here to let you know God loves you with an unconditional love he loves you far beyond you could even imagine and that's why he sent Jesus Christ for you and if you need God's forgiveness today it's as simple as receiving it in faith as a gift not something we earn and so if you need that forgiveness from God, I want to encourage you to do this right now, is that you might see on your screen, uh, you know, a, a little icon that says, uh, you know, I commit my life to Jesus, or, you know, a, a, a little icon that says, you know, I need Jesus. Why don't you touch that right now? If, that, if you don't see it, why don't you just lift your hand right now, wherever you are? Why don't you lift your hand up right now, wherever you are? And we're just going to pray this prayer with you right now to receive God's forgiveness. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. This is between you and God. If you realize you need God's forgiveness today, why don't you pray this prayer with me today, right now? You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm making room for you to move in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says that if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, you are forgiven of your sins, period. That you are a child of God, period. You are a citizen of heaven, period. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already touched that button that says, I commit my life to Jesus, we've got a special gift to encourage you in this new relationship with God. Can we give all of our friends here a big hand, a big shout in this place together? Let's congratulate them on this day. If you weren't able to touch that button, you didn't see it, you can text the, the, the word believe to 604-285-5770. We'd love to get in touch with you that way, give you that gift to encourage you in this new relationship with God. Finally, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead the rest of you here in prayer right now as we make more time and space for God's presence. Today, we've been learning that we need more of God's presence. We need more of God's presence in our lives, in our thought life in our minds, in our hearts, in our habits. We need God's presence in our relationships at home with the people that we work with and study with and the people that we, you know, volunteer with and, you know, the people that we call our closest friends. We need God's presence. And if that's you and you realize today that that's what you need, you need more of God's presence and you want to make more time and space for God's presence. Why don't you lift your hand right now? It starts right now. Why don't you just lift your hand to God right now? Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need more of God's presence in your life. And right now, you know, even as the music is playing, why don't you start talking to God from your heart? Don't wait for others to start talking. Don't wait for your neighbor to start talking. You just start talking to God from your heart. And just with an authentic, genuine heart, why don't you just start talking to God? Just come to him just the way you are because he loves you. Don't wait for me to stop talking. You just start talking to God right now. Start going, start drawing near to God. Start giving him and responding to him uh, with praise and worship. Start responding to him based on what you learned today. Come on, just start talking to God right now from your heart. Yeah, don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. Praise God. That's it. That's it. He's here. He's listening. Just turn to him right now. Praise God. Praise God. Don't be passive. Be proactive. Just turn to God right now. Talk to him right now. Respond to God right now. He's here. He loves you. He's listening. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You can even in your heart just say, God, more of your presence in my life. More of you in my life. I want more of you, God. Just more of you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. More of you in our lives. More of your presence in our lives. Not just now. Not just, you know, today. But God, every day, we want to draw near to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
Let me just pray for you right now. Just keep your hearts open, your hands lifted. Let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your presence, your precious, amazing presence, without which we don't know what we would do. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come to fill the God-sized hole in our hearts, and that because of you, we can know peace. Because of you, we can know joy. Because of you, we can know forgiveness. Because of you, we can know hope for hard times. It's all because you decide to move in. And we just ask you once again, in ways that you haven't yet moved in yet in our lives, would you move in now? And God, we want to make space, make time, make room for you to do the things that only you can do. And we just invite you, God. I pray for all of my friends who are here, who are watching the service, who are praying together with me right now. I pray all of your blessing, your peace, your presence, your protection, your provision, your comfort, your strength, your hope to rest upon them, your wisdom, your joy, your Holy Spirit to fill them. Thank you, Jesus, that because of you, no matter what it is we're facing today, we can always say, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again from the grave, the best is yet to come. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Wherever you're watching this service, oh, come on. There's more in you than that. Come on, give God all of your praise today. In your chat room, let me see you shout to God. Wherever you are, just shout to God. Amen. Right now, we're going to invite our worship band to lead us in some time to draw near to God even more, to press into his presence. And so let's give God this time. Let's worship God. Let's come near to God. Know that when we do, he's going to come near to us. Let's give this time to God right now.
time can we give God a big hand a big shout in this place let's give him all of our praise today amen what an amazing time we've had with you here at Thrive Church Online you guys are a beautiful church inside and out we love you guys and right now as we close off our service uh, we want to ask those of you who call Thrive Church your home church or you just believe in the work that God's doing here let's give our faithful tithes our generous offerings knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first he adds what he adds everything we need and not only does he add everything we need but he builds his church through us as well and so let's sow into god's kingdom let's do that right now you go to mythought.info to give thank you so much for giving you guys are an amazing church alive expect involved out loud united right now we're going to hand the time back to our online host and they're going to take it away have an amazing week everybody we love you guys we're going to see you guys next week same place same time sign up for our connections community services ministry opportunity and praise god let's carry god's presence wherever we go praise god have a great week everybody we love you guys god bless Thank you, Pastor JB. If you were blessed by today's message, then let us know in the chat by using one word to describe your online experience. Now, before I let you go, here's a few short announcements. If this is your first time visiting us here at Thrive Church Online, let us know by texting NEW to 604-285-5770 as we're gonna be sending you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle just for visiting us today. And for those of you who made the decision to receive Jesus into your life, congratulations. We'd love to hear from you, text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770, as we'll also be sending you a very special gift pack series with helpful resources to answer some of the questions you may be having on your new life with Jesus. Now, how many of you would agree with this statement? 
Living isolated is not a good feeling. Making connections is a great feeling. This is why Thrive Church has partnered up with Connection Community Service and we are looking for 26 volunteers who will be able to help us make weekly care calls to seniors who are feeling isolated due to the pandemic. So if you are interested in joining or getting more information, simply visit MyThrive.info. Now next Sunday, we will be having communion online together. So don't forget to prepare your bread and your juice, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus. Now we want to invite you back next week as we continue the message series called Exodus, Hope for Hard Times. That's it for the announcements this week, guys. Have a great, blessed rest of your week, and we'll see you next week, same time, same place here at Thrive Church Online. See ya. Have a great weekend.